we have um, decided to change things up a little. How many know if you keep doing something the same time over and over, sometimes you get kind of stale? So we've kind of switched it. We just sing for until we feel different. We sing one song, we have the word, and then we sing afterwards. We're taking baby steps of faith because we believe that God wants to do something different in the church. And we don't want to be so stuck in what we know God's doing the next moment that we're not understand to even feel that nudging of the Holy Spirit to do something different. So we're doing something a little different this morning, and we did it last week, so we don't want that to get stale either. <laughs> well, um, God is a powerful God. He's a supernatural God. And I know that because I wouldn't be able to stand up in front of you if he wasn't. I wasn't the little girl that said, pick me to be the princess on the stage. <laughs> I was the one that hid behind somebody else. Don't let them see me. Don't let them see me. <laughs> but the Lord, he has um, plans of showing his power. And he's supernatural and he is a powerful God. He can take the most timid person and put them in front of people. And I just want to honor my husband and thank him for sharing the pulpit with me this morning. I'm going to have a brief word, and then he's going to have a brief word. And uh, God is uh, amazing. We had an amazing journey when he put us together. He gave um, my pastor a dream about his pastor. I was living in Welch, and he was living in Jennings. Yeah, <laughs> I've been living in Jennings a lot lately. <laughs> He was living in Sulphur, and I never went to Sulphur. But after the, my pastor had a dream about his pastor, we went to visit their church, and there was Tim, who had gotten a supernatural word from God that his wife was going to come through the door. So it was a very tiny church, and anybody that came in, he ran up to see if she had a wedding ring or not. <laughs> I like to embarrass my husband, not really, but... <laughs> My sister was laughing on the side, <laughs> and he said, do you play the piano? Oh, my gosh. My family is not musically talented at all, but God blessed me with a husband who is, and so each one of my sons can play the guitar and, and sing, so that's really awesome. And I have spiritual sons that play the guitar and sing, too, and spiritual daughters. So um, I'm just going to open up with prayer. Holy Spirit, I just um, has your daughter, Holy Spirit. I just say, I'm your daughter. <laughs> this is your time. I just invite your presence. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that your word brings life, takes away confusion, takes away disappointment, and it brings peace. So, Lord, we just rest in your peace. You are a supernatural God, and I believe that you will supernaturally touch us today. Refresh us, revive us, restore us, regenerate us, make us new in you. Thank you, Father. Well, last week we talked about living in trying times globally and nationally. And I will confess that it has affected me. The disappointment in the government, in the election, in the COVID where you can't be with family, this fear that's been poured out in our well, just across the world. And with uh, those who live in Louisiana adding on the hurricane to it, you know, just the different pressures of life, it has affected me, and I've had to really seek the Lord for that. So um, the mess, last week we talked about living in the trying times proves that our 
proves our faith is genuine. In 1 Peter, it talks about we're tried in the fire. And the reason gold is tried in the fire because it produces to show you that it is gold. So when we go through a trial and we're still here, we're still serving God, we might not be happy exactly in, in some of the parts that's going on. Most of us can't wait to get to back to what we call normal life. But we know that it's not going to be normal because God wants to move in an end time harvest. And he wants the church to be like it was in the book of Acts. So we know it's not going to be normal. So he had to allow possibly this shaking up to get us off that mindset. This is how you do church. God doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> and so now we have come to where the only thing that's stable is him. His, his peace is always there if we learn how to tap into it. So, Lord, I thank you that you're proving our faith is genuine. Everyone who's here today and those watching online, you're proving that your faith is genuine. You know why? Because you're still coming to God. You might not have got everything you wanted, but you're still coming to God. So in trying times, how do we walk in peace? I heard a sermon probably um, 40 years ago. Yeah, I know most of you aren't even 40. <laughs> But somewhere around 40 years ago, I heard this sermon, and I only remember the title because the title just stuck with me. It said, Living Above the Snake Line. That has never left me. Now, the snake line, we're going to talk about that just a little, is when we come to the enemy's place of agreement, his standard for our life. His line is about right here. You can go this far and no more. Why? Well, because you're timid. Well, because you don't have any gifts. Well, because your past was terrible. Because you're a woman. Because you're not the right gender. I don't know. But God's line for us is way above. Way above. So living above the snake line is our goal. And living where the snake line is, is walking in agreement with what he says. The enemy. I'm pointing up, but he's in the second heavens, in the invisible heavens. And Jesus is above him, seated in the place of power and authority. But if he can cause chaos and confusion right here in that second heavens, we won't cross over into the, above the, the snake line. We'll stay right where he wants us. The snake line is also walking in the flesh. Now, Galatians will give us all the attributes of the flesh, you could say. <laughs> Adultery, lasciviousness, drunkenness, fornication, um, just unforgiveness, anger, rage. So the devil doesn't even have a hard job if he can keep us right in the walking in the flesh. All he has to do is find our weakness and exploit it. So I just looked up exploit because I like definitions. It gives me more meaning, kind of like leading, reading the Amplified. I used to love to read the Amplified because it gave me so much more meanings. Exploiting is he makes full use of our weakness. So my friend is always, Eric, talking about our identity. So basically what he's doing is keeping our identity 
behind the snake line. And God wants us to move past that. So if he can find a weakness inside our flesh and take full advantage of that. Now, sometimes a weakness is the people we're around. Yeah, it might not be our weakness, but it might be their weakness. And the enemy uses their weakness to come against us. And that can keep us behind in, his, in the place he likes us to be. So living in the snake line is when we come in agreement with the word of God. I'm just going to give an example of living behind. Oh, did I say? Okay. <laughs> My husband's here to help me out. <laughs> living above the snake line is when we come in agreement with the word of God. An example of not living above the snake line is, let's say that we have a good reason to be offended, that we were mistreated, yeah, and we won't let that person off the hook so easy. <laughs> yeah, they don't deserve to get off that easy. Look what they did to me. I'm, I'm going to, we, we think, you know, that, oh, I've forgiven them, but we hold a grudge. Holding a grudge is not forgiveness. So we think in our mind, I'm punishing them. But really, unforgiveness keeps a hook in us. And it keeps us living below instead of above. That's, that's a hard one, but every single one of us will have to overcome that. Because the enemy will see to it that he puts somebody in your path that is, knows your weakness whether it be insecurity, rejection, abandonment, and he's going to make sure those buttons are pushed. So we have to find out what the scriptures say. And last week, what the Lord kept highlighting to me was, we are the focus of his love. We are the focus of his love. We are the focus of his love. If we can wake up every morning and say, we are the focus of God's love. I am the focus of God's love. I am God's child. This is his body. This is his mind. This is his mouth. I come in agreement with what the word of God says. So what we need to do is trust God enough to go ahead and forgive that person. You know, and actually, when we forgive that person, we release God to deal with that person. So we're going to decree the, decree the word over our life and to live above the second snake line and we're also going to um, walk in faith and trust we think we're trusting God sometimes when we're really not you know because I don't want this person to get away with what they did <laughs> or I don't trust them that they might do it again so forgiveness does not mean you stay in that situation if you're in a bad situation and you can't live to the fullness of God, it doesn't mean you live in that situation. It just means you don't carry that grudge in your heart. Because when you carry a grudge in your heart, you build a wall around your heart. And you think you're good because you divide your life into compartments. This compartment God can have, but this compartment I've got this wall because I don't want to get hurt again. I don't want anybody to use me again. I don't want to feel that pain again. But these walls walls don't stay in one little spot. <laughs> These walls grow and move. So another way of living above the snake line is to know your season. What is my assignment for this season? 
don't try to move in more than you have grace for. Grace imparts strength to us to have power to do the works of God. You know, a lot of people say um, people misuse grace and people use grace in the thing that you're forgiven so that you have the grace of God's poured upon you so you can stay in your sin. But anyone who reads the word of God can see God has never wanted us to stay in sin. He gives us grace to become that the character of Christ comes inside of us. That when people we see at our job and in our house and at family reunions, they can see the character of God in us. The grace is to empower us to step above the snake line and to live the way Christ has ordained for us to live. So grace imparts strength for us to have power to do the works of God. Know the rhythm of heaven for your life, number three. The rhythm determines the pace. Grace has given us a level of energy and anointing to do what God's called us to do. If you're trying to do something and you're just getting worn out, it's probably because that's not the grace God has for you at the moment. I have to learn these things the hard way. <laughs> the level of energy can help determine your level of grace. Because when God's called you to do something, you have the energy for it. And it doesn't weigh you down. Grace is power that comes from God to help us do what we can't do on our own. The grace of God is upon me right now to stand before you. That's God's grace. It's important to notice that we always need to be moving toward the goal. When we stop, we're in stale water. When we're moving, we're moving towards the goal in the river of God. This may not be your season for a marathon run. It could be your season for a sprint. So I said, Lord, what does that mean? He said, marathon is a long run. And a sprint is a short run. You might have the season right now to do something in God that doesn't take a long amount of time. And you may have, you might be in the season for a sprint. To say like if you're a Barnabas, if you're an encourager, but you don't have the energy, the finances, or the, you just don't feel the anointing to go and throw a party for somebody you love. But if you are called to be an encourager, you might have the energy to send them a text. So if, don't feel bad if you're in a season of running a sprint, not a marathon, because there are different seasons of our life. And the enemy tries to make us weary, because when we're weary, we get faint-hearted, and we give up, and we don't have faith. So God is, might be calling you to a sprint. It's okay as long as you're moving. It's okay. The point is to keep moving in the river of God. Keep doing. Keep the flow of God open. It doesn't matter the size of the steps as long as you keep moving in the race. Remember that. Your steps might be baby today. It's okay. You're moving. You're still moving toward the mark. And your steps might be like this. But I can probably guarantee you they won't always be like that. <laughs> because why? We're always in a trying of our faith. Because trying our faith, you know, when God pulls us out of a dark season, our faith grows. 
And we know, even if we come in another dark season, we can remind ourselves, this is not where I want to be. I'm not staying here. But God brought me out of that other one, and he's going to bring me out of this one. So the goal is keep moving, even if it's a baby step. Because when you keep moving, you're walking in the flow of the river. As long as you're in the flow of the river of God, you can hear the voice of God. You might not hear him for a two-hour message, but you can hear him for a word that will sustain you. One word from God can sustain you for a, as long as it needs to be. So the enemy's trying to weary us. Don't let him. Don't let him. So... The main point I hope you get from this message is to keep moving, to allow the grace of God to work in your life. Allow God to bring you where he wants you. Don't feel like we have to do five hours on our knees and four hours of the Bible. I mean, God will tell you what, what season you're in. And the important thing is to know your season, know the pace God has given you the energy for and to keep flowing, that you keep that open contact with the Lord. Don't let him weary you. So my uh, scripture is Philippians 3.14. I'm reading from the New Living. I press on to reach the end of the race, and I receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. So the important thing is for us to keep pressing, Keep pressing on. God might not have called you to go to Africa. He might have called you to your neighborhood or your job. So don't look at somebody else and, and compare and saying, I'm not doing enough. You're doing enough if you're doing what God has given you the grace for. If he's given you the anointing to witness to your children at this time in your life or to witness to your neighborhood, walk in that peace. Walk in that grace. Later on, he might move you to a bigger one and maybe not, but it doesn't matter as long as you're faithful. You're faithful to do what he's done, what he's called you to do, because I tell you one thing, anything I do in myself doesn't produce fruit. So all I'm doing is wearying myself. If I want to spend my time wearing myself, where it gives the enemy a foothold to get in because of my weariness, nothing's good. Nothing good comes out of that. Nothing good comes out of it. So I just want to encourage you to keep moving toward the goal. Know the season you're in. Know your assignment. Know the rhythm, the pace God has for you. And the point is keep moving. I'm going to keep moving. I'm moving towards the goal. So, Lord, I thank you for this word. I thank you that it's a timely word. I thank you, Father, that there'll be fruit from this word, that, Lord, even as we continue with our week, the rest of the week, that you'll bring the word back to our remembrance. Holy Spirit, I ask you to water this seed of your word, that it might bring forth in us what you want it to bring in Jesus' name.